I can show you the tools. Shining, shimmering tools day. Tell me, Princess Chris, now. Wow. Wow. He's AMD. And the answer is that never. Was good, right? It was it was alright. It was a good song. I like the last one better, honestly. Oh, okay. Well next one will be even better. Okay. So hi everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Tools Day, a brand new podcast on IBM Radio where we discuss tech tools, tips, and tricks on Tuesdays at two. I'm your co-host, Yuna, a front-end developer on the IBM Cloud Design team. And I'm Chris Donaraj, a front-end developer on the engineering side. What that split means, nobody actually knows. <laughs> it's time for 20 minutes of Tool Talk with today's topic being... Module, module loaders. loaders. So, module loaders, what are they? In order to understand module loaders, we first have to understand modules. And we use modules in JavaScript to really represent small units of sort of independence um, code. They usually focus on a single task. They're reusable components. You hear a lot about this modular design and development these days. So you use module loaders to enable that um, within your project development process. So there are a few different types of modules, um, and we'll talk about those first. There's AMD, there's CommonJS, and now there are ES6 modules. We'll sort of dive deep into these and then talk about the module loaders that make those possible for you to use. Yeah, so AMD kind of kicked off the module revolution with JavaScript. Uh, it stands for Asynchronous Module Definition. And the initial loader was this thing called RequireJS. And when it first came out, everybody's mind was blown. It's like, oh, all of a sudden we can have these nice, small, compact piece of code. We can, it's easy to read, easy to use. Um, and then somebody checked out the network traffic that AMD was using, and it was awful. Like Whenever you go to a new page with AMD, it requests every single file. Wow, I just hiccuped in the middle of the word file there, which was uh, the most awkward time to hiccup. That's okay. Uh, um, and so recently, AMD and the required JS have kind of fallen out of favor you still kind of do see it in a few legacy projects. And I think if you ever talk to someone using AMD and Require, they'll just cry at you. Uh, the syntax is kind of weird, uh, a little bit hard to parse, and is just not nearly as nice as CommonJS. So you're saying that nobody likes AMD anymore? Yes. All right. Is that, I mean, I you, mean, you I have still, a counterpoint? I hear about it, but I hear about it in past tense. Yeah, So you, right. you hear about it in terms of... Oh, these are AMD, and then you're about to talk about CommonJS, I take it. Yeah, so CommonJS is kind of the the new, the current way of doing things. Um, it's what Node.js uses as well. So um, CommonJS module loaders like Browserify and Webpack have kind of brought this Node syntax to the client side. Um, previously, if you used no module loaders, you'd have like 10 different script files loading into your page, unless you concatenate it via a different tool. Uh, and it was just hard to maintain and just keep track of. With module loaders like Browserify and CommonJS, or Browserify Webpack with CommonJS format, you suddenly have this really nice dependency tree. You only load one file into your HTML file or whatever uh, view you're using, and it's suddenly super easy to manage. That's CommonJS. Okay, so CommonJS is a specific um, just type of module that you're using. Right, so it's kind of, it's signified by this top of, you, you say require and the package name, uh, which is kind of a little bit trippy because require.js right. is called require.js, but doesn't use the require, it does use the word require, but in a different way. 
CommonJS says, you know, var jQuery equals require jQuery. Uh, and this so they both use the same keyword? Kind of, but not really. Um, they both do use word, word require, but AMD has this define require kind of pairing, mm-hmm. um, while CommonJS just says require the package. Um, and then it brings in either the package you've installed by NPM or a local package you have on your relative file, on your, on your file system. Okay. So why would you um, use CommonJS over AMD? Why is everyone saying that's way better these days? So uh, two main reasons in my mind. One, CommonJS is really, really easy to use and read. All you have to do is put that var whatever equals require whatever, and then all of a sudden you have that in your package. or yeah. in, in your, in your that's in, the syntax that I'm used to seeing. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And so if you never actually paid attention during the AMD days, which... You didn't, which I didn't. Which you didn't, clearly. Uh, <laughs> I you chose never, correctly. You never had to go through the pain of looking through defined statements and you know, kind of piecing together where one thing was defined. It's kind of, it kind of had this circular thing, and it's kind of, it was kind of a mess. Although, to be fair to AMD and RequireJS, they were still, it was still a big jump over just doing uh, JS by itself. Right. Even now, if you see large apps, and they don't, I'm sure most large apps do use some sort of modulator, I hope. Um, but otherwise, you have to maintain your dependency tree independently and manually. Which you, right, and front-end has gotten a lot more complicated. Right. People are building entire huge applications just within front-end code, especially with this advent of Node becoming very popular. It was impossible to create these large apps just using... A manual. I mean, it's, so it's not, not not impossible, but it's it was just hard. hard to manage, right? Because you, you could never know if the load order was correct, um, and manually specifying that you wanted each file to load. And even just architecture of your yeah. project, it's it's very difficult. And I think that's probably the best benefit of using these module loaders. It's that architecture and understanding where your files are linking and coming from. Right. Um, and then going forward in the future, we have this new thing in ES6 called ES6 modules, as the name kind of implies. And it's honestly very close to the CommonJS format. Instead of require, we use the word import as our keyword. Um, and along with that, you have some additional great destructuring. So you can say import these three objects from a package, and they'll only be uh, defined in your app. So there are a few improvements over the CommonJS format, and at this point, you can honest if you're using a pack, uh, a module loader like Webpack or Browserify, which we'll both talk about. Yeah. Um, there's not a tremendous amount of reasons not to use ES6 modules, uh, unless you're just really tied to that require state uh, syntax, which some people are. Yeah. It is very easy to read. Yeah, I mean, especially when people are used to using a certain system, which right. is why I'm surprised that you say nobody's using AMD anymore. Okay, okay, let me take it back. Not nobody, just a fewer amount of people. It's not like picking up steam. It's the train is coming it into is the station. It's coming to the end of the line and saying, "All right, I'm slowing down. I'm done now. Uh, carry on with your common JS or ES6." Yeah. Because okay, so AMD required JS is the AMD module yes. loader. Correct. That's a little confusing because you use require statements yes. with Browserify and CommonJS and Webpack. Yes. Okay. So to clarify, require.js and using require statements in Browserify, two very different things. Correct. Wow, what great names, y'all. Uh, well, you know, in the beginning, it made, all made sense. Now it doesn't. But, you know, <laughs> okay. front-end development changes so fast, so quickly. How, how does that make sense, ever? Uh, well, you did use the word require, and yeah. you, were, you were requiring files into your app. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole point of AMD was that it was asynchronous, so it would only load the files you needed. 
Um, and then at some point, the concept that you should only package one file and for, to minimize the HTTP requests became a big thing. And everyone was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, and then so, okay. right, sorry, go ahead. So um, then the CommonJS system, that is synchronous, unlike AMD, but it still will package those files for you if you're using the module loader system, which you are if you're right. using modules. Uh, so... Yes. Yeah, so hypothetically, or ideally, you'll do your build prior to any, uh, uh, prior to you sending any files over to the client side. So in your build step or in your server side, you compile the files, you generate one single file, and then you hand it over. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That makes total sense. To reiterate, um, AMD is sort of in the past. CommonJS um, modules are really what's going on now, what people are using. Um, and then ES6, or ES2015, more okay. accurately. I, I will keep saying an ES6. ES2015. I mean, so real quick, 2015 makes perfect sense for when the I... the next three months. When I, no, when, I, when I listen to them talk about why they're doing it uh, for context, they the, the governing board for JavaScript, or one of them, uh, decided that... They're going to do yearly releases of the next version right. of JavaScript. And so for, uh, for even more context, the last version of JavaScript, ES5, came out in 2007. Let me look that up real quick. Can you talk for a second? <laughs> uh, he's looking up a JavaScript. So it's just to make sure he's not wrong. Uh, whatever, it's good enough. It, it came out a long time ago. Um, and everyone realized that, you know, in order to progress the web, we need the newer features faster. Right. This, uh, this is across all standards boards. So CSS is the same thing. Um, just W3C is trying to make sure that they're getting the features out there, they're getting the browser vendors to look at these ideas and these new standards and implement quickly. Things are changing so fast. So it's a wonder that we ever had these years between releases with JavaScript and web technologies. Right. And really thanks to Chrome and the V8 renderer when everyone realized that oh, now we can do complicated things in the browser, and it's it'll be a good time, it'll be fine. So what you're uh, saying is ES2015 makes more sense. What I'm saying is that ES2015 <laughs> makes more sense, but it's, it's like three more syllables and... 2015, yeah. I'm not about that life. It's so. three more characters. Three more characters, whatever, deal with it. Okay. That's how it is. All right, let's move on. All right, so <laughs> you can use those um, in the future natively with browsers, but now you have to use a transpiler such as Babel. Um, so that's kind of what's coming. But we want to talk about what you can do now. And um, like we briefly mentioned, the two most popular module loaders for CommonJS modules are Browserify and Webpack. So let's start with Browserify. Yeah, so Browserify was made by this guy named Substack. And, well, that's his alias at least. I don't know his actual name. Do you? I don't. Okay, well, okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, and he actually wrote a lot of the Node environment itself. And he wrote this thing called Browserify for himself and put it on GitHub. And then people were like, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. And the whole concept... What happens when you open source? Uh, yeah, Yuna here just had a nice... Uh, hit of that. Ah. She just crossed 1,000 stars on her CSS grams I repo. I two days ago. I'm so excited about that. Uh, <laughs> you brought it up. I did you bring it up. It okay, up. it was just, you know. It's all right. exciting. It is exciting. I love seeing how people are using it. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> module load. So uh, Browserify. So Browserify lets you use the CommonJS syntax on your client side. And people didn't realize how much they wanted that until they had it. 
Um, and Browserify really is aimed at one specific thing, which is supposed to be create these bundles of JavaScript files. It's very small, very compact. And then what Substack did was that he allowed people to write additional add-ons on top of Browserify to add a different functionality. Yeah, so you, you basically you install it with NPM. Um, you can configure it to work with your scripts. So it analyzes your scripts. It determines the order of them. It minifies those scripts. So any common variables you're using is going to minify it to probably like a single character. Um, and then it outputs it to a single file. So you only have that one HTTP request in your actual production environment. Right. And the benefit of this, again, over a normal concat or uglify script is that this will go through it and analyze the files, build a dependency tree, and then put things in the right order. Uh, so yeah. you don't have to manage that yourself manually. Yeah, and there's also a separate node module called Watchify, so you don't have to keep running Browserify. You can just have this Watchify task um, watch all your changes. Right, and that adds incremental builds. So initially, Babel, or Browserify didn't come with Watchify. Watchify was a later edition. Um, and every time you did a new build, it would build everything from scratch, and it took a long time. Watchify added the ability to watch the current set of files, cache it, and then only add in the new things to the new build. And so it dropped your build times from 10 seconds to like two microseconds. Um, and Browserify, another benefit um, is that it allows you to really um, have your scripts communicate with each other through a module that exports. And right. that helps with sort of organization of what files are using each other and um, allows for sort of that reusability of your code source without writing it more than once. Right, so that's the, that's the whole module concept right there. Um, build small, reusable files that can be passed around and consumed. Exactly. Dry. Don't repeat yourself. Right. So that's Browserify. Cool. What about Webpack? So Webpack took the opposite approach where, you know, Browserify maybe is a, a small knife which you can add bigger knives onto to create one gigantic knife. This, this analogy kind of broke down real quick. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's just move on. Uh, Webpack is, is the full kitchen sink. So Webpack actually is designed to honestly replace your other build tools as well. Um, so it can watch your entire environment. So it can, re it can replace Grunt or Gulp um, as your CSS compilation or your image modification. Um, so what Webpack does is that along with doing the exact same things that Browserify does where it watches... Um, a bundle and creates this final minified JavaScript file. Uh, it can look at your CSS files. You can, you can include your CSS files in your JavaScript. You can uh, tell Webpack to look at your images and minify the images and maybe inline them if they're below a certain size. Uh, you can do a lot of things with Webpack. And so Webpack is really designed to take care of every front end matter that you might need to have. So it seems like Webpack is really Browserify++. You could think of it that way. Um, really, Webpack and Browserify come from two different philosophies, right? So where, web, where Browserify is one small thing, the API is super open, use it as you will, bring it to your project, do whatever you want. Webpack is, here are these conventions. Uh, to configure Webpack, you send in uh, a config block. And I know in our last show, we, we talked about how we liked Gulp over Grunt because it's code, not configuration. Right. While Webpack is that configuration thing. Um, Although people say that because Webpack does everything you want it to do, configuration is okay. So there's pro-con there. Um, it is still just JavaScript, even though even the config file is JavaScript, so you can do some logic in there as well. 
but is designed to um, for you to follow their conventions and plug in your options into their config file. So I've, I've used Webpack just briefly on a personal project, but when I was doing research about Browserify, they seem to be identical to the point of their syntax is very, very similar with their require statements. Um, up until that point of using CSS and other sort of assets within your um, file system. Yeah, so both Webpack and Browserify are common JS module loaders at, mm-hmm. a, at their core. Well, Webpack says they can do whatever they want. So Webpack is also AMD, common JS, and ES6. Uh, Browserify... I believe it transpiles ES6 modules. Uh, Webpack does out of the box. Web uh, Browserify requires an add-on called Babelify. Okay. Uh, you might notice this trend with Browserify <laughs> things, Babelify things. I'm into uh, it. And again, this is this is the whole concept behind uh, Browserify versus Webpack, where Webpack says, "I know what you want. Let me build it all in, and I'll do it for you." Browserify says, "Here's a small thing, and here's an open API, and build on top of it." Uh, okay, so that makes sense. They pretty much accomplish the same thing, but Webpack comes packaged with a bit more um, configuration options there for you. Right. So again, so what? Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much exactly that. Cool. So why do you like Webpack so much more than Browser? Just, just to clear, I like Webpack better, um, which is I've been hearing this so all week. This, this is kind of funny we because were originally <laughs> going to have the show be I defend Browserify and Chris defends Webpack and we kind of battled out, but it, it doesn't seem like they're that different to me. Okay. So I I now want to ask Chris why he's yeah. adamant about so Webpack honestly take takes care of every matter you need it to do. Um, there's once so both of these things kind of had have terrible documentation. The first time I tried either of them, I was just confused and dazed and like why what's happening right now and then i stumbled upon a really great egghead.io videos um walkthrough of both of the systems and they just clicked for me egghead's um, a great resource by the way if you're trying to learn javascript yes egghead and frontend masters so they're both of them well both of them have free parts and exp- and cost parts but pay for both of them because they're great <laughs> okay anyways um uh What's I saying? You're talking about why I like Webpack more. Okay, so uh, Webpack, on top of adding, so with with Browserify, you kind of have to set up Browserify, then you set up Watchify, you set up Babelify, and you have to set up all these things, which is fine if you're into that. With Webpack, I don't need to do any of this because it's already built in. You do have to pass in this thing called a loader, so where you say, um, with these files, do this thing. But a lot of that is already built in. And you just have to know the configuration. And once you do, it's super fast to spin up a new Webpack um, build system. But there's got to be configurations already built in for browser. Files. Yeah, so for, for both of them, you can just copy-paste and do whatever you want from some online source. Or generator. Yeah, or generator. Um, for me, I do like starting from scratch. Not, not scratch, scratch. You're just contradicting not yourself. Sc- not scratch, scratch. I like starting, sorry, I like configuring my project on a need-to-have basis. When I use a generator, I find I just strip out half of it. Unless you write the uh, generator yourself. Unless you write it yourself, which is fair, uh, which I have not done. Uh, which you did, right? For, do, you have a, do you have a Yeoman have generator a somewhere? Gen. I have a couple. Yeah. because I build it and I realize this is how I like to build things, so right. why not make it reusable? I have kind of ADD with my build systems where I just kind of tinker with them at all times. So that's why the beauty of having a generator that you can edit in open source, you know. Well, here's the thing. So works. if I start off with something I've already built, I have I am less inclined to go back and rebuild it from 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 the ground up. And 
with the pace of new things, I find that if I look at my gulp file from six months ago, it's so different than my gulp file right now, for, as an example. But if your gulp file you're using consistently and changing and updating, then every month you're updating it, you have the new hotness in there. That's fair. When are you going to use that gulp file from six months ago? You don't need to save it. I, I guess so. Are you saying I'm right, Chris Donneraj? I'm not saying <laughs> anything, per se. I'm just saying that. Uh, let's just move on. <laughs> so... Uh, so back to Web- Webpack versus Browserify. Webpack also has one killer feature that Browserify is now imitating. Okay, I'm waiting for it because I'm not okay. convinced yet. Okay, hang on. And it's called Hot Module Replacements, Okay, which is basically JavaScript refresh. So when you use browser thing for right now for to watch your front-end assets, there's a refresh when you update a JavaScript file, for example, yeah. right? With Webpack's HMR Hot Module Replacement, or Reloader, rather, uh, there is no refresh. It's like the CSS injections, but with is Java that on, JavaScript. Um, on like a key touch? No, it's with like a save or file. Well, what's the difference between that and browser sync? Then? So browser sync reloads the page itself, and if you have like JS views and you're building your views that way, um, everything has to reload. With Webpack, only the specific component, specific component reloads. That just that one small bit. What? So it's like when you so okay con so imagine how you write CSS or SAS okay. and you change some uh, value in your right. SAS file and then browser sync just injects into the page. There's no reload; it's immediate impact and the view but changes. After right? it's injected, it has to reload. No, it doesn't. To take place, it doesn't reload. What? Wait. I don't understand. Why is uh, this happening? What? What okay. is my... Uh Clearly, we need to have a browser sync. Refresh at some point. What? what okay, do you mean? so browser sync refreshes your page. That's it, how it doesn't refresh your you page. So with CSS and HTML with a plugin, it injects it directly into the page, and there's no actual refresh. The the the, the development workflow is faster. Right? I thought the page refreshed. It doesn't refresh. Oh, I'm having a moment. I'm having a moment. Oh I need goodness. to look this up later. Okay. Wait. Have you wait? I use browser sync all the time. I've used it for like two years now. So I thought, wait. I just it's, it it's possible that you're configuring browser sync wrong. I've configured it in many different ways, though. Uh, so this is the issue with using your generator, which is wrong in the first place. What do you mean uh, my generator? I don't know, but clearly it's not right. No, all I'm, I'm not, my generator's not even fancy. I'm not, like, I've used it, I've proxied ports and whatever. My, my generator's just using, like, vanilla, browser sync, go. Okay, so browser sync lets you set up a server, right? Yeah. Whatever, proxies, whatever you have. And then it also lets you stream, right? This is, this is the little syntax of browser sync dot right. stream, right? When you it use, streams changes into the page, but when you use that versus browser sync that it, reload, it refreshes the page for you. No, because like I it don't injects, hit refresh. It injects the so okay, but that that's a very two, minor. There's two different things. So re, so with um <laughs> with um with CSS, it's a little bit minor unless you your page reloads slowly, right? So it's kind of like it's it's the next iteration of refresh versus like versus or it's the next iteration of manually refreshing versus letting a browser sync refresh for you, right? So back, so hitting Apple R to refresh your page is not that onerous of a thing to do. But having browser sync do it for you is a great improvement for your dev workflow. Right. Right? In the same way, having no refresh at all, especially for views that are compiled via JavaScript. I um, get it for views that are compiled with JavaScript. Okay. I get that. That makes sense, especially when you have like shadow DOM things going on. You right. need JavaScript for your page to load. Totally makes sense to yep. me. But... If you're using Webpack for other assets, like CSS, you were saying, yep. I mean, that's the thing that you can use it for. Right. 
how does it not refresh the page? It's very, very different to just not have a refresh for JavaScript. Okay. Than to have no refresh for all of your assets, like image updates, so, everything. Um, what I was talking about was specifically for JavaScript. Okay. I don't actually There's know how it does CSS. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. Um, but I imagine it's, it's the very similar way where it slides in the updates via a stream with like WebSockets, like how a browser thing does it. Okay. Right. So if, you, if you've ever opened up your, yeah, your console while you have browser sync open, it'll have little things like saying, you it's know, running. WebSocket running or something like that, right? Which is how it adds updates yeah. to your page without the refresh. Did my life just change? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I need to, I need to like spend some time on the computer now doing some research. Okay. Well, okay. okay. So. I still think that, I okay. don't know. I, I still think it, so that even it, beyond, it must refresh even, for certain oh, assets. Okay, well, even beyond that, there's things like you can tell... Webpack to watch images, and if it's less than 10 kilobytes or less than mm -hmm. whatever kilobytes set you want, inline them as opposed to having an extra asset. So it'll lovely, just it'll lovely. base 64 everything. Um, but base 64 is not always the most performant thing. Yes. Yeah, so fact, for certain sizes, which is why you say for a size below a certain kilobyte mm -hmm. set, I think 10 kilobytes is the preferred one. Which is really hard to um, find images that well, are smaller. Than so that. it's like icons, more or less, basically. Yeah. Um, inline those and don't ask for an extra extra request. Okay. Yeah. So all those things you can kind of configure Webpack to do out of the box. Cool. I I recently read an article about warning you not to base 64 encode things. Yeah, so I saw that too and I saw the performance breakdown and how it's was it mobile that had a hard time with it? It was pretty much Everything. Was it? Well, it was certain size. So like you're saying, it's fine for icons. But yeah, mobile specifically had difficulty um, with that. And here at IBM, we did an entire like study of all of our icons, and we loaded them in different ways. We did the base 64 encoding. Um, we tried SVGs, PNGs. And we found that encoding it, which we hypothesized to be fastest, was actually one of the slower methods. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's like a... It was like a sprite sheet was another option. Yeah. Um, um, so that's just a warning. But yeah. but icons is fine, especially if you haven't right. seen that many. Yeah, it's one of those things that you have to use it um, sparingly. Yeah. Use sparingly. That is our warning. With Base64. But if you're using browser... Uh, sorry. Um, if you're using Webpack, you can configure it. So right. And, there, and, there and just, just, you know, Browserify has a lot of these things as well. They're just additional plugins and add-ons, and they're not out of the box. Which again, it's not a terrible thing. Uh, a lot of people like this part of Browserify, where th that it's small and uh, doesn't add all those shenanigans. Uh, Webpack just assumes that as a front-end dev, you'll have to do these things. So why not include it with you? Um, all right. Okay. So, two twenty-seven. Uh, yeah, um, I thought that was a good conversation. Potentially yeah. changed my life. I'm not sure. We'll I, find okay. out. I'll let you know next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Tools Day. We will be back next week with another topic and more tool talk right here on IBM Radio. See you then. See you.